Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you here. Well, God is merciful and good to us, is He not? This morning, Amen. How many have been blessed before, so far? Have you been blessed? Let me hear you say, Amen. I've been blessed so far, and I. I know, as a minister, I feel unworthy to stand before you, as a pastor, with the word and be surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses in this congregation of people who sincerely love God with all their heart. Amen? But to hear the testimonies and the praises have been a blessing to my soul. The sermon entitled this morning is from our series that we're doing. That's entitled, The Ultimate Love Story. And this is the third sermon in this series entitled, To See Him As He Is. So I invite you to turn with me to, your op- to the opening text this morning to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, as we go through our study this morning. That's in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. For our opening text, the sermon is titled again, To See Him As He is now we've been learning that in order to serve and obey God what must we first have or do first we must have what faith but what does faith work by only the Bible says faith works by what love right Faith can, if there is no love, faith cannot work, right? If there's no love, faith is actually dead, right? The only thing that gives the power for faith to work is faith which works by what? Love. So, in order to have truly obey God, you must have love. Now, is this like human kind of love or good feeling kind of love? What kind of love is this? This is talking about God's love, right? So, to obey and serve God, you must, you must have love first. Right? Love is the fulfilling of the law, right? Is that not true? So, love, the, the Ten Commandments is actually, the first four is love God with all your heart, and the last six is love each other, right? So, love fulfills the law. So, in order to serve and obey God, you must first love God, right? You've learned that before. In order to love God, you must first what? Know Him, right? And you must see Him, right? You must know God. Now, if you know God to be an evil and cruel and wicked God, can you love God? You cannot love God. Can you love someone? Are you going to marry someone you think is evil and wicked and cruel? Are you going to marry that person? You're not. So, in order to love God, you must see God as being loving, right? First. So, first of all, we must obey and serve God. We must be obedient to the Word, His commandments, and serve Him with all of our heart, right? Before that, we must... Step before we must love God, right, first. But before we can love God, we can't force ourselves to love God, and we can't force ourselves to love each other either, right? We cannot force ourselves. It doesn't work. Grit our teeth and I'm going to love you. It just doesn't work. Same thing with God. You got to go to step before, and you must see the character. You've been studying God's, God's glory is His what? Character. You must see God's character's glory first, as loving, and then you can love God, then you can be obedient to God's word. So this morning as we open the word, may he open our eyes to see him as he really is this morning, 
Let us pray. Father, as your word is opened, we humbly ask that you will help us to see is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. How is our heart? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Now, I'm gonna look, we're going to be looking at these texts, maybe same old text, but we're going to look at it through, a different, through different eyes this morning, a different way, through God's eyes, I believe. The Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Whose heart is wicked above all things? The Bible says. My heart, right? Your heart. So in other words, our heart is deceitful. And how is it deceitful? Because it makes you and I think that we're good without God, right? That we have good characters, that we don't need God, right? Because we're good already. Why do we need? We're pretty good people, right? We, we're not in jail. We're not in prison. So we're pretty good. So we deceive ourselves that we are good people, that we don't really need God. But not only is this Bible text talking about our hearts deceiving ourselves about our own self and our own condition, but this is also talking about our hearts is deceitful above all things and how we also see God's character to be also. Are you following me? Amen? So our deceitful hearts see ourselves as being good, but it also puts a picture of God as being someone who he is not, right? Now David found this to be true. So turn me to Psalms 50 verse 21 in the Bible. Psalms chapter 50 verse 21. And let's see what the Bible has to say this morning. Psalms chapter 50 verse 21. What does God reprove us for? And this is what David said. And this is what he learned. This is God speaking here. He's writing what God's speaking. He says, 50 verse 21. These things has thou done, and I kept silence. This is God speaking. Thou thought that I was altogether such a one as what? Thyself. You thought that I was one just as yourself, altogether just as yourself. But I will what? Reprove you, rebuke you. I will reprove you and set you in order before your what? Eyes. In other words, I'll correct your eyes or seeing things or how you understand things. I would help you to see through new eyes. Because I am not a God that you in your own deceitful hearts can make out to be like how you believe I am to be. Are you following me? So in other words, our own deceitful hearts make God out to be something that he is not. You thought I was something like you, but I will reprove you because I am not like how you say I am to be. Because of your deceitful hearts. You see, the reason why we don't love God, the reason why we don't serve God and obey God, and we're not obedient to God, because we don't love God. And the reason why we don't love God is because we see a different picture of who God is. And we don't have to blame the church for giving us a false picture. We don't have to blame the preacher up there for giving a false view of who God is. We don't have to blame the fellow church member in church for giving us a wrong perception of who God is. All we have to do is believe our deceitful hearts and we will believe that God is someone that he is not, beloved. Amen? 
You can be all by yourself and you're going to see by your own self without hearing any false doctrines at all. You're going to know from the evils within your own corrupted heart that God is a God that you really cannot love. And the fact, beloved, that we are not living to the biblical standards of the Word of God, the fact that God's church is sleeping, that the fact that we are Laertes Sierra this morning, the fact that we are not on fire with the power of the Holy Ghost this morning is proof enough, beloved, this morning that we do not truly love God this morning. Is that not true? And if we do not truly love God, then there's something wrong with the step before of seeing this God. There's something there that's blocking it. May I present this morning, it is not because of the church member next to you only. Could be true also. And it's not only pointing the finger at Satan. The Bible doesn't say that Satan is deceitful of all things, though he also is deceitful and a liar, the father of lies. But the Bible says that your own heart this morning is the very reason and cause and the purpose for you not seeing the goodness of God that will lead you to repentance, beloved. Amen? The power is in the seeing. God wants us to see him as he really is. The word of God, purpose of the word of God is to reveal this glory, this character of God, the character of God's love. And that's why the word of God is so important. That's why we need to look upon the word and read the word and study the word because in the word reveals the true character of who Jesus Christ is, which is love. And if all you're doing during the week, if you're not in the word and you're watching the negative things on TV and reading the negative things in the newspaper and hearing the negative things on the gossip on the phone and all the negativity and all the violence and the rumors that go on, if all that you're doing is all these negative things in your mind, what comes in is going to come out, right? But the word of God reveals the character of God's love, right? It transforms the mind, it changes. And when I read the word, I'm looking. God, reveal to me who you really are. Show me your glory. Show me a character. I want to love you more. That's why I want to read your word. The purpose to read the word is to, to love God with all of your heart this morning. Amen? To love him. Don't you want to love him? Truly love him? Are we tired of coming to church and pretending to love him and pretending to serve him? Are we not come to that point already? Don't we want to just come and like, I'm in here this Sabbath morning because I truly love God. And you know what? It's real in my heart right here. It's real, right? I love God with all my heart and I'm serving him and obeying him because I truly love him. Not because I grew up in a church, right? Beloved, amen? Because I love God. I'm not going through the motions of this church thing that everyone else does, but I truly can say in my heart, I love God with all my heart and I want to serve Him. Don't you want to say that every day of your life, you love? Amen? I know you do. That's why you're here this morning. You're on that journey together with us that we love God. Now why do we sin? Turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. Notice the Bible says here, 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. Why do we sin? The Bible says, 
Whosoever abided in him sinned not. Whosoever sinned has not, what is that word? Seen him. Neither known him. Amen? Are you following me? We sin because we don't know, love God. And because we don't know God, we don't see God for who he really is, we don't really love God. In order to love God, we must see him. And that's why if you do not see him, those who, the Bible says here in verse 6, whoever sins, the reason why you sin is because you have not seen his character, his glory, his goodness, his name that we study, right? You have not seen his goodness. If you've seen the character, the glory of God, you would love God, beloved, amen? And if you love God, if you love him, you would keep his commandments, beloved, amen? But the problem lies in not keeping his commandments or sin is because two steps before, you do not see him for who he really is, beloved, amen? You must see him this morning. I want to see him. How about you? Why do we commit evil? We talk about sin. What about evil? Third John, turn to two books, two books down. Third John, chapter 1, verse 11. Actually, just one chapter, so verse 11. The Bible says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil. You know, there's false gospels out there that says you can do whatever you want and believe whatever you want and eat whatever you want, just do whatever you want. Just love God. But the Bible is so clear in so many places. We are not to fall into sin and not to fall into evil. But notice what it says about evil. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is what? Good. Listen to this. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil has not what? Seen God. Do you see that this morning, beloved? Do you see that? It's not saying that those who do evil didn't try hard enough. Are you following me? That's what the word said? No. The word does not say those who do evil because they didn't pray hard enough. Right? Is that what it said? The problem with these people doing evil is because they had not seen God. They did not see his character. They did not see his goodness. They did not see that God is love. They did not see that his name is good. He's a wonderful God. He's a merciful God. He's a forgiving God. They did not see the love of God revealed on the cross of Calvary for them. Is that not true? They did not see the goodness of God. They do evil because they did not see this morning. Now look at your papers here. Just want to point it out here. Um, forget the first one, but it says here: Do not. The second one says, "Do not." People do not see God's character, love, and they do not love God, right? And then they do evil. See the three steps. If you go before that, it says, "If you see God's character, love, you will love God, and then you will do good." Does it make sense? God's character. I want you to go back to the top. Now think about this. Could it be possible, before we go there, could it be possible 
that we can present truth in such a way that it is true, but still not get a clear picture of who God is. Is that possible? Give me an example. There is a doctor who has a son. And this son was told by an older person what his dad actually did as a doctor. Now, this is what he, how he explained his dad what he did on the a, on a paper, on the first, the first um, paragraph. It says here, he said to this little boy about what his dad did, who was a surgeon, your father drugs people to unconsciousness. Then, when they are helpless, he has them stretched on a table, cuts their bodies with knives, and sends them the bill. Is this true? Is this true? Absolutely true, is it not? Is this a true picture of what a surgeon does? A surgeon saves lives, beloved. Isn't that true? Aren't people grateful when you, a surgeon saves your life or saves your dad's life? Is that not true? Could it not be possible that we could sit in a sermon or we could sit in Sabbath school and hear truth, beloved, about God, but yet not really be the truth of his character? Is that possible? Can we hear this is a doctrine or a standard that is true? But the way that the truth was presented was not in the light revealing the glory or the character of who God really is. Is that possible? Could it be possible that maybe we have been so strong in defense of even what is truth, but still miss the point of the truth, which is Jesus, really, of who God's character of love really is? Could that be possible within the Seventh-day Adventist Church? I suggest that it is and it is happening today in our churches, is it not? Could not Jesus have said, I came to reveal the glory or the character of my Father who's been misrepresented? Could it be possible that we ourselves are misrepresenting Jesus Christ and God the Father by the very truth that is truth that we're trying to promote within the churches? Is that possible? I believe that we parallel the Jewish nation. They had the truth. The Pharisees did not have the truth. Did not the Pharisees have the truth? Were they not faithful and obedient to the law? Did they not tithe on even the increase of even the herbs that they had in the garden, that they grew the herbs and they tithed the tenth of the mint? Do you remember that in the Bible? Were they not faithful? Did they not fast twice a week and faithful Jewish Christians at that time? Jewish church, um, Jewish um, leaders within that time, within the church. They were faithful. But when the truth came, they had so misrepresented the truth, they could not see the truth and thus rejected it. Is that true? Could not we also misrepresent the truth? This morning is my question. Now what happens when we behold the glory of Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Now, we learn in Exodus chapter 33 and 34 that God's glory is his what? Character. Very good. Which is also his what? Remember? His name. Very good. And what else? His what? 
goodness, I heard it out there. So remember that. God's glory is his character, which is his name, which is his goodness. 318, know what the Bible says. And I want to say, don't believe a word I have to say, but believe what the Bible has to say this morning, beloved. Amen? What the word is saying this morning. So you got to check me out if I'm actually reading the right verse or not. So 3 verse 18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory or the character of the Lord. When we behold the character of God's love, are, what is that word? Change into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're changed from glory to glory. We're changed from character to character to the character. In other words, as we see more of God's, behold means to see. As we see God's character, our character changes from character to character to character. Do you see that? In other words, follow me on this. The seeing and the changing is concurrent. Are you following me? The seeing and the changing happens at the very same time. That's what we're told to behold, whatever is true and honest and good, right? Behold these things. Look upon these things. Don't look upon the negative things. If you look upon the negative things, you're going to become like the negative things, right? You look upon the good things. So as you behold, you look the character of God, you're changed from character to character. And the more you see a clearer picture of who God is, the more you're going to be reflecting that character to other people, beloved. Amen? That's the gospel. By beholding, you become changed. By seeing, you're changed. Inspiration says, right? It's from this text. You see, as you see, you're changed. It happens the exact same moment. The moment you see, you're transformed. It changes you. It transforms you. Now, when Jesus comes, how will God's people see Jesus? Turn to 1 John 3, verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. The 144,000. As they see Jesus is coming, right before he comes, and beloved, we've learned that they're perfectly reproducing the character of Christ, right? His character of love at this time. Now I want you to notice, what did the, how were the 144,000 people, how would they see Jesus? Notice the Bible says here in 1 John 3 verse 2. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know how we're going to be like in the future when Jesus comes. But we know this. We know that when he, Jesus, shall appear, we will be like him. We will reflect his character of love. The 144,000 will reflect his character of love. Why? For we shall see him as he is. We will see him as he really is, beloved. Amen? In other words, 1 Corinthians 13 says that we see through a, glo a glass that's dimly, right? We see only a partly a picture of who God is, but the time will come in perfection where we will see him like he is. In other words, as we see him more and more, his, the last message of mercy to be given to the world, right? Ellen White says it's a message of his revelation of his character of love, right? So the revelation of his character of love comes more and more. We're going to see more and more and more of his character of love. And the more we see, the more we're changed, beloved. Amen? 
the true picture of who God is. And the more we see and see and see in 144,000, where we produce his character of love because they will come to a point where they will clearly see him as he really is, beloved. Amen? Not as you see him or think him to be in your heart. Not as I think to see him in my heart because our hearts are deceitful, right? But as the word of God says, he really is this morning, beloved. Amen? Which is love, is he not? Is he not merciful? Is he not good to us? Is he not loving to us? That's the God I serve this morning. I know it's the God you serve also. Now, turn to me to Revelation 3, verse 18. Just the next book over, a couple books over. Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. So, just to, re just to recap on this, on your papers, the green handouts, the fourth statement says, we will see him as really, he really is, and the character of Christ will be perfectly reproduced within us, beloved. Amen? If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? Okay. So, now let's go to Revelation 3.18. What is Laodicea's problem? What is our problem as the seventh and the last church? Here's our problem. Revelation 3, verse 18. There's several problems, but this is the last problem that is mentioned and a cure. It says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in a fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest what? See what? His character, his love, the Lord merciful, the Lord good, the Lord long-suffering, the Lord kind, full of goodness and mercy, all these things. If you can see him for who he really is, you will love him, beloved. Amen? I can guarantee you, if you were to see God, not through your own glasses, but through his glasses, you would love God this morning. And you would serve him with all of your heart. And there will be no more manipulation in churches or guilt feelings of why you're not serving God given to you, right? It's because you want it from the inside, from your own heart, not from the outside. But because you love God, you want to serve him because you have seen him for who he really is. And that's the God that we serve this morning. Now, let's look at a story here in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. How faithful to the church was Paul before he was converted. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Notice the Bible says, this is about Saul before he became Paul. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. In other words, Paul was faithful to the church. He bounded these people and put them in prison. Whatever the church wanted, he did it. He was faithful to the truth. He said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Remember what he said? If there was a person who kept the law, it was I. I was obedient on the external only, but not in the heart. 
And so Paul, and he wrote beautiful letters in Romans and Galatians. Paul was faithful to the truth, but there's one thing that he did not have. There's one thing that he did not do. And that one thing is found in verse 3 to 6. Let's read it. I'm going to read it to you. It says, And as he journeyed, he came into Damascus, near Damascus. And suddenly there was shining round about him a light from heaven, and he, and he fell, fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In other words, Jesus came to him, God came to him, and spoke to him. Actually, Jesus appeared to him, and God spoke to him. But notice what Saul's response. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? See, Paul, even though he's faithful to the truth, loyal church member, he didn't know Jesus Christ. He had never seen, understood, seen God's character of love. He didn't understand it at all. Though on the external he had faithfully preached the word and the truth, he did not know Jesus Christ. He did not see his character of love at all. When God spoke, he did not know him at all. After being blinded by the light, what had to happen first before he was to see? He was blinded by this Revelation. Notice in verse 17 and 18. Notice what happens. The Bible says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto you in the way as thou camest has sent me, that thou mightest receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He was blind. And notice what happens in verse 18. The Bible says, And immediately... There fell from his eyes as it had been, what is that word? Scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized, beloved. Amen? In other words, Paul was blinded. And the problem with Saul is that he had scales on his eyes. Now what do scales represent? Look in your, um, on the bottom of your green paper, Job chapter 41, verse 15. Talk about the Leviathan. The Bible says, his scales are his what? Pride. You see, Saul's pride of opinion of what he believed was truth hindered him from seeing Jesus for who he really was, beloved. Amen? And but sometimes... Our own pride of what we believe is truth and what we believe is the right answers and what we believe is right is the very thing that hinders us from seeing God for who He really is, beloved. Amen? Sometimes our perceptions got to be cleansed. And some could it be possible that we could be faithful for the truth, faithful to the church, but yet had never seen Jesus Christ. Could it be possible? If there was a faithful man in the Bible, it was Paul. 
who, who was Saul before, and yet he did not see God. And the scales of human pride of opinion had to drop from his eyes in order for him to see. Beloved, isn't that true? You know, as a minister, I have to go around and talk to people. And you know, my, my, the, most, the thing that is foremost in my mind before I talk to anybody about anything or even about truth is this question. How much pride does this person have in their own beliefs that I can present the truth to them? Is that not true? Even your family relations? How much can I say before their pride is going to rise? Right? Of what they think. How much can I reveal to them without them getting them upset? Is that not true? Is it not the scales of pride that hinder us from seeing Jesus this morning? I want to see Jesus. How about you? Amen? And when he finally saw the goodness of God, he experienced and he saw Jesus for who he really was. And he said, I will serve you. And then he was baptized, beloved. Amen? And only when you see the goodness of God, then you can truly experience fellowship with the Father in Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at another story in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 6. Starting in John chapter 9 in your Bibles, verse 6 in your Bible. What happened? There's another story of a blind man. What happened to this blind man? The Bible says, Jesus went to the blind man. When he had thus spoken, talking about Jesus, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle with the dirt, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came, seeing. For the first time in life, he saw Jesus. Amen? He was blind, but now he saw Jesus. Now, the Pharisees and the leaders hated Jesus and were jealous of Jesus, so they were rebuking him for seeing. How's that? They were rebuking him for being able to see, because they didn't want this blind man to see because it proved that Jesus was almighty and was all-powerful and was good. And so they're rebuking this blind man for being able to see. That's what the church leaders did. They didn't want him to see. How's that? So what did the blind man say to these religious leaders? John chapter 9, verse 25, the Bible says, He answered and said, and they're accusing Jesus to be a sinner. So he answered and said to the leaders, the church leaders, whether he, Jesus, be a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see, beloved. Amen? Where was my... I don't know, whatever you may be saying in the Sabbath school class or in the sermon about God is a wicked and evil and judgmental God, whatever you may be saying, I don't know what you've all been saying, but I know one thing, that where I was blind, I now see the true character of God's love this morning, beloved. Amen? And you can believe whatever you want. That he's a sinner, he's evil, he's wicked. Like our heart. But I know that I see a loving God this morning, beloved. Amen? I see a merciful God this morning. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? Verse 39 to 41. And Jesus said to the church leaders, For judgment I came into this world, that they would see not, or those who are blind, might see. They would see or who think they see, 
might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are you saying, are you accusing us, are we blind also? Are you accusing us that we're blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we're not blind, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. If you were blind like everyone else, you would need the cleansing power of God to cleanse your eyes, to see His goodness. But because you say, I know I see God, your sin remains, and thus, you're lost, you're saying to the church leaders. And this morning, how is it with you this morning? Do you realize that you are blind? Well, like the Pharisees, they believe that you already know it all. You already see. You see his goodness. And my only answer to that is this. The proof that we are blind, including myself, is the fact that we are not obeying the word of God and the spirit of prophecy up to the light that we know. Is that not true? It is proof that we are blind. And God comes to us with a message that Laodicea is blind, is wretched, miserable, poor, and naked. Is it not true? And the sin only is there when we think we see and we're not blind. But like Moses, can you imagine Moses going to Mount Sinai, seeing God, so much so he saw the glory of God, he came down and his face shone with the glory of God, the Bible says, right? His face shone with the light, the character of God's love to the people, that they had to cover his face, right? Do you remember that? Even after he saw God up in the mountain, beloved, Right before he went to the promised land, and he still said this prayer. He said, Lord, God, after this experience, show me your glory, beloved. Amen? Show me your character. Even after he saw this, and beloved, can we come to a point that the pride of the scales that have come into our church is so thick, so thick for Laodicea, that we're in this wretched condition, and we don't even realize it this morning. Is that Could it be possible? God's remnant church is blind and needs to see. Beloved, are you willing to see this morning? Do you even want to see this morning, is my question. Do you really want to see? Forget I'm preaching up here. But do you really want to see? Honestly, behind the veils and the facade and the walls you've all put up, do you really want to see? So you can love God? Be obedient and serve him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen? I yet to see that in myself, in our church. May we truly see. If this is your desire to see this morning, will you make a commitment to God by raising your hand with me this morning? Amen. May we as a people truly see God as a God of love, mercy, and goodness is my prayer. Our closing hymn is 494 in your Bibles. And this is the name of this song. Beautiful hymn, old hymn. It's called, We Would See Jesus. Amen? We Would See Jesus.